0: All right, hey, can you do me a huge favor this morning and welcome all of those who are joining us live online via Facebook, YouTube, our website? And then one more time, just a little bit louder this morning for all of those at the Eunice Correctional Facility who are watching with us. Come on, let them know. We love you and we're honored that you're part of our church today. So for the next few weeks we're going to be in a series called Teach Us to Pray. We really kind of laid the backbone of this series over the last couple of weeks, specifically last week where we went into what was one of the things that God said specifically to us particularly in the New Testament. And the thing that Jesus said was very simply, "Come to me." Come to me. If you don't get anything else right in this life, Come to me. Even if you're the most successful person that the world could ever have claimed successful, you still have to because our best works are like filthy rags before God. You still have to come, come to me. And then when we come to Jesus, and this is what I love, this is just how this works. When I come to Jesus, I become less like Chris and more like Christ. So when I come to Jesus I begin the process of becoming like Jesus. God laid this on my heart just a few minutes ago. I was, I was, in, it was at the end of prayer. Pastor Weston was, was up here, and, and there was just some incredible moments happening here in the altars and, and up, up each wall and in the back, which is, by the way, still a place that an altar can be because God tore the veil from top to bottom, so the altar is no longer a place. It's wherever you make it. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so where you are, that is where the altar of God can be. But during that moment, I was, I was praying, God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. I pray that you would take this moment and turn it into many more moments. And immediately I thought, God, man, thank you that I can have every moment of every day with you, that you're not just in control of a moment. You're not just in control of some supernatural and and, and powerful, impactful moments, but God, that you're in control of every moment of my life, that I'm not stuck to one experience. I'm not stuck to one place or one sanctuary, that wherever I am, that's where you are and that's where you want to be. So I get to have not just a moment, not even moments, but daily moments walking with God it's a growth and that's what I love about this church is we're not looking for for you to just have one incredible moment we're looking to connect you with Jesus not just on a a weekly basis but on a daily basis We want you to come back to service next week. Why? So you can continue to grow in who he's calling you to be. We want you to plug into Next Steps and get plugged into a team so that you can understand the value of servanthood and being a part of something bigger than yourself. We want you to come at 6 a.m. Come on, somebody. At 6 a.m. this week for the week of prayer every morning, Monday through Saturday, because we still believe that there's a community that needs to be reached for the sake and the power of the gospel. We still believe that there is somebody sitting at home right now that these empty chairs represent and that somebody is wondering, does anybody care? And I'm here to tell you today, church, whether you're watching online or you're sitting in the sanctuary, there's not somebody that cares. There's somebody that is concerned for every emotion, feeling, thought, desire that you have ever had. And his name is Jesus. And he is just as concerned Today, as he was 2,000 years ago when he hung on the cross with outstretched arms and he had already spoken this truth come to me and become like me. Come to me. That's what God's desire for you is. Not just in the sanctuary on a Sunday, but every week. Let me bring it back down because we got to come off the mountain eventually, right? Even Moses had to come back down and see all the stupidity in the valley. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and every time you have that great moment with God, it's like you walk out, walk out of the sanctuary and Satan sins stupid. You know what I mean? It's, I'm using that word on purpose because it's my wife's favorite word. She loves it when I use this word. It's in Scripture, and that's how I validate things that I want to. I twist Scripture and make it sound like what I want it to sound like. <laughs> that's what we all do. Sometimes, have you ever been in a place... Um, where someone had something that you wanted. If you will, just, you've been in that spot before. Would you just be honest this morning? You have seen somebody or something, and, and they had something that you wanted. Just lift your hand. And you're like, man, I wish I had one. Yeah, yeah, we have a, is it next Saturday that the bike, the, the ride, or was it this, but yeah, it's next Saturday. So all these guys have these incredible-looking motorcycles, and I'm like, oh. I got a bicycle. <laughs> I pat my feet and bend my knees, you know. But they got these rides, and they sound mean. You know, like when they crank up, and they're like, it just makes you feel, it just makes you feel like more of a human being. Like man, woman, or child, it's just like, that's what I was built for. And so I, I look at these guys, I'm like, Whew, man, I, I want one of those. Don't buy me a motorcycle, okay? Because I can't have one. I don't even know if I could drive one. I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> I got three babies, and, and I'll get one later in life if I won't really want one. But, but sometimes people just have things, and, and we look at them, and we go, man, I wish I had that. Listen, this is what the disciples saw in Jesus. Yeah. Jesus had something that they, they knew they needed. In 400 years of silence, When God had not spoken to his people between Malachi and Matthew in our Bibles, God had not said a word to his people during that time in 400 years. And Jesus shows up on the scene of silence and speaks with God as if he knows him personally. He speaks and talks with him as if he has a personal relationship with him. No one had spoken and talked with God the way that Jesus did since Adam did it in the garden of Eden in the cool of the afternoon. And yet Jesus walked and talked and, and he, he had this strength that came from knowing God in a way that, that nobody else knew him. In Luke chapter 5 verse 16, we, we looked at this last week, where the Bible says that Jesus would often, he would often withdraw to the wilderness for prayer. He would often do this, and his disciples would walk with him, and they would see him often withdraw. And, and just as a highlight from last week that was in your notes last week, by the way, your notes are on the back of your bulletin, or if you have a, any kind of device whatsoever, you can sync yourself to the guest Wi Fi. Our notes for you are online at new hope, I'm going to say, slash notes. But last week we said that there's a difference between often and occasionally. And and doing something often does not produce the same results as doing something occasionally or vice versa. And if you want... What you have truly desired in your heart to have a strong relationship with God, which if I were to ask through through the room right now, what is one thing you desire in, in coming to churches, most of us would say, Man, I really want, I really want a stronger relationship with God. Like I, I want to experience a personal relationship with Jesus. Now listen, if if you want that. Then you have to come to Jesus and you have to become like Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus did practically was he did not go after God occasionally. He withdrew to the wilderness, he withdrew and and was alone with God often. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that? Well, for the same reason that we need to do it. Because Jesus knew that he could not live without the relationship that he was created for. And that's why you should do it. That's why I have to do it. That's why we should do it. Because, because you cannot live without the relationship that you were created for. Let me, let me just break this down and maybe a little bit more personally. Megan and I have discovered just in, in almost 10 years, 10 years this upcoming uh, October, which Pastor John and Tanya, they're 15-year Anniversary was this past Friday. Isn't that cool? It's 15 years, 15 years, and two babies. It's amazing. I had three and four years, and that's awesome too. Um, 15 year anniversary. And, 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 and what we are discovering, even in our young marriages that we have, is, is that she can't be Jesus for me, and I can't be Jesus for her. In fact, if she expects me to be and lead and strengthen her relationship with Jesus. Now, it's not that I don't take that responsibility as the spiritual head of the house, because I do. I do receive that responsibility as a man. So this is not a, hey, guys, you're off the hook here. This is a, hey, ladies, stop leaning on a man to provide what only Jesus can. That's the essence of this scripture, is that I can't be for her what only Jesus Can be for her. I cannot provide for her what she was created to receive from him and him alone. You know why Jesus got away from his friends, got away from the people that he loved? Because he knew that God had something to offer that only God could offer. And he was created for that relationship with his heavenly Father, and he couldn't have it through anybody else. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, or you can fill in the blanks on the back of your bulletin. Number one, we have to understand that we have access. We have to understand that we have access to the Father. If we don't understand that, then we'll kick at the goads, if you will. We'll, we'll, we'll spit into the air and it'll blow back in our face. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll beat against the wind and not feel like we're producing anything. We need to understand right here that we have access to a father. And listen, Jesus wasn't afraid of God, but he also wasn't apathetic towards God. What does that mean? It means that he had a relationship with God and he was confident in that relationship, but he also had reverence towards God. And he had a reverent fear of his father. Let me break it down a little bit further. Last week, um, my son and and Emery, they were in the back, and, and they were messing with something that was Adeline's. And this happens a lot at our house. Adeline has something that the other two find, and then they partner together, and they begin to do this thing, and, and Adeline's like, they're going to mess up my stuff, because Adeline will like color-coordinate her M&Ms, okay? and, and Gabriel will take M&Ms and Skittles in each hand, and <laughs> One is like sweet chocolate all at the same time. It doesn't bother him. And so they're playing with her stuff, and and her stuff was in a specific way. And I, I went into the room and I said, Hey, look, put that stuff up. It's time to go to bed, anyways. Put that stuff up and go brush your teeth. And so I walked out and I went and did something else. So who knows what it was. I was getting them ready for bed, getting myself ready for bed, whatever. And I came back in, and, and Adeline came back into the room. And she goes, Daddy, they're still messing it up. And I said, well, I already told them to put I got it. Okay, so here's what happened. I went from the living room and our living room comes and there's this small hallway and it goes into this little back room that's kind of a guest room slash playroom slash the dog goes back there and runs around slash that's where we put all our laundry slash keep all the toys slash hide extra presents from Christmas slash there's even a little office desk in the corner if you need to get alone with a computer. It's it's our slash room. It's, It's for whatever. And so that's where they are and I come into the slash room and, uh, and Gabriel sees me coming, right? So he's down on the floor, and, and he looks up, and he sees me coming. And he does this, and he turns, and he runs off. But Emery has her back to me. <laughs> so Gabriel jumps up and runs off, and Emery's like, I guess he had to use the bathroom or something. You know she doesn't budge. So I walk up, and I pick up Emery, and I swatter on her behind. Because, not because she's still playing with a thing, but because I just told her. I just told her to do something. I didn't hit her hard, but I picked her up and I swatted her on behind, and then I went after him. I said, "You come back over. You come back up. Come back over here." <laughs> listen, listen. Why was my son afraid of me? Because he was disobedient. See, my son wasn't afraid of me before he was disobedient. He had confidence in his relationship with me. He saw me coming the first time. And he was playing and everything was fine. But then I told him to do something. And he and by the way, delayed obedience is disobedience. And he delayed in his obedience. And I and he was like, I'm done, I'm done. I so, said, Oh no, it's too late. We hear that phrase a lot at our head. Oh no, no, it's too late. It's too late. Come, it's too late. It's, it's what happens at our house a lot. Jesus was not afraid of the Father. But he also wasn't apathetic. He acknowledged in his reverence because he had a personal relationship with him in obedience. And listen, I'm just still crazy enough to believe that what Jesus had, I can have too. I'm crazy enough to believe that I can have the same I can have the same relationship with God that Jesus had. I can have the same relationship with God that Jesus had. I am convinced beyond my own feelings. Listen, according to the word of God that I can have personally right now in 2018 going into 2019 as a father of three children a husband of one wife and a pastor of a growing church that's going to win this city for the sake of Jesus Christ I believe that I can personally have not just because of my position in life but because of my position before him I believe that I can personally have the same relationship with God that Jesus had and I believe that you can too because you are kings and priests you are a royal priesthood you are a holy nation you are god's chosen people and you can have the same relationship with the heavenly father that jesus had but relationship will cost me something i believe this is in your notes relationship will cost me time relationship will cost me communication even when i don't want to listen. If I want the relationship, come on, husbands, even when I don't want to listen, even when I'm tired, in the middle of a stressful football game, (laughs) if I don't want that relationship damaged, I better be listening. (laughs) Because relationship will cost me time, and it will cost me communication. And communication is is a two-way street. It involves me communicating, and it also involves me listening. Thank you, I don't think a man in the room said listening just then, but I had about (laughs) 20 women. Didn't even look at me, they looked over and said, listening, in a Cajun tone that I can't communicate well. If we want that relationship, we've got to spend time with God because our best relationships, catch this, our best relationships, think about this in your life, our best relationships are with the people that we spend the most time with and we communicate the most with. Why do so many marriages fall apart when their children leave the house? Because for some reason, over that period of time, and if that happened to you, I'm not, I'm not casting stones at you today. I believe God can redeem you and that. And, and he can make whatever position or situation you're in right now be redeemed. And, and he can turn ashes into beauty and, 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 and do whatever he wants in that manner. But the reason is because we sometimes, in this culture, we become so focused on our children that we will idolize them and we forget Jesus and we forget our spouse. And when the thing that we shared and we had in common leaves the house, we no longer have anything. And I'm saying, if we, want, if we want that communion that Jesus had with his heavenly father, then it will cost us time and it will cost us communication. One of the main ways that we have relationship with God, one of the main ways is through prayer. So it is important that God teach us how to pray. It's important that I take the time to learn how to pray. There's a story of a, a lady, a, Megan reminded me of this, in our former church. She would wake up every morning and say it out loud. Out loud, she would say, good morning, God. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for this day. And her husband, her husband would say, why do you do that? Like, Why do you say that out loud? like that every morning because it's it's waking me up you know, it's, why do you do that and she says well what if you were sitting in the living room and I just woke up I put all my stuff on I grabbed everything that I had and I just walked out of the house I didn't hug you I didn't tell you good morning I didn't tell you goodbye I didn't tell you I loved you every day I just got up got all my stuff done and I just walked out of the house I never said a word to you how would that make you feel and he said, I got it. <laughs> the reason that we do that is we're acknowledging, hey, good morning. God, I, I'm, today, this is the day that you have made. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Some common prayer mistakes. Let me just give you a couple of these. And, and I want to invite you, not just this Wednesday night as we continue our walk through Revelation, but next Wednesday night, Pastor Ryan Post is going to come up from Northside, uh, assembly in Crowley, he's going to come up and he's going to share. We're going to give him just about the entire service. I'm going to do a little video, open and welcome, and then we're going to give him that service, and we're just going to let him have that time And as he shares his personal revelation on prayer. And I'm telling you, it is powerful and it is worth hearing, whether you do it online or whether you're able to come to the house. And, and by the way, I'm thankful for online whenever, whenever you can't be here, but there's, there's nothing like being able to be in the room for something in person. But here's some common prayer mistakes. Number one, we, we make prayer too formal. We make it too formal. So we take, we take only what has been written for us in the past or only what is written in scripture and, and we just make it completely impersonal. And, and basically we become religious robots. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, the daily bread. Give us our sins. Jesus' name, amen. Whew. Let's play some ball. We, we become a religious robot because we make, we make the prayers that could actually be personal and powerful, we make them too formal. We make them impersonal, and we make them unrelatable. Here's the next thing that we do. We become too informal in our prayers. And some of you have been in that church. (laughs) Now, it might have been fun for a little while, but ain't nobody new gotten saved in that place in the last 20 years. And you're scared to bring any of your friends to that church. To that informal, completely lean on the Holy Spirit, no telling what Sister Super Spiritual is gonna do to your friend if you get him anywhere near her, or what Brother Butthead might say about the way that he's dressed. Okay? You just don't know. I mean, and that's, I just made that up right now. That's, don't, you don't know what they're gonna say, right? You don't know what's gonna happen. You're like, it's a, It's a a lazy free-for-all, an unplanned lazy free-for-all that's blamed on the Holy Spirit, okay? And and God doesn't honor that. God's not in that. I believe that the Scripture says clearly, many are the plans of a man's heart, and God establishes the steps. God cannot establish steps that you don't take. He can't bless plans that you don't make. And I'm for structure and stability just as much as I am for God taking control of this place and messing up all of my plans. Sometimes it's too informal. It's irreverent. It's irreverent. It's not even about God. It's about us. We don't even make it about him. It has no structure. There's no way to build anything in it because you don't ever know what's gonna happen. There's no no stability in it. It's an emotional masquerade of excessive zealots with no plan and no purpose. And then finally, we, we make it too complicated. It's too complicated. And so what we do is we sit down and, and, it, and we, like, we forget how easy it is to actually just talk to God and hear from God. And we make it too complicated. And so instead of leaving fulfilled, instead of leaving fulfilled from our time with God, we leave frustrated. We don't even leave unfulfilled. We leave with guilt as if we did something wrong. Come on, somebody. You know what you've done, but we've tried to pray. Like I know, all right, I got five minutes. Lord, uh. <laughs> and we forget that God just wants us to sit with Him. Number two, this is how we avoid all of those things. We develop what we desire. If we understand that we have access to God, Lord, teach us to pray. If we understand that we have access to God, then we, number two, develop what we desire. Guys, listen. It is okay. It is okay to practice prayer. It's okay. It's okay to practice prayer. Like God is not offended because you don't come in to your room and start to pray like you hear people pray from a pulpit or a platform. Listen to me. Listen, listen, this is really, really important. Your children do not want you to pray over them like I would pray over them. They just want you to pray over them. They don't want you to pray like me. They want you to pray like you, fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Children don't want to just hear a powerful prayer from a pastor that's been practicing for decades. They just wanna hear you speak over them and pray over them. That's powerful. It's not what's being said. Listen, it's who's saying it that matters. God does not need you to pray like me when you go before him. God does not need me to pray to him like I pray over you from the platform. We've got to practice our prayer. We've got to develop what we desire. Telling a new believer to just uh, to, to develop a prayer life, and here's what we do. Well, just, well listen, sweetheart, just, just talk to God about it. Just talk to God about it. You know, I, And, and I, like, I like that. I'm like, I like that idea. Um, Jesus, Jenny Mayo has a sign in her office. If you don't know what to pray, then just, just talk to Jesus about it. I, I think that's pretty simple. But but telling a teenager to just talk to God about something is like handing, handing somebody one of those guitars and saying, look, just hold the strings and strum. You know? Just hold the strings and strum. It'll make the sound that God wants it to make. No, no, no. We, we've got we've to take the time to develop it. It's okay to have a structure. It's, it's okay to have to have a plan. And it's okay, listen, to practice that structure and to practice that plan as long as it doesn't become religiously robotic for you. It needs to remain personal. Just like a train needs a track in order to get where it's going. Just like... Some cars need a road. Come on, we live in South Louisiana. You can't just use that illustration. So it's like some cars need a road. Some of them don't. We just make a way where there is no way. We get there because that's where we wanted to go. But in our prayer life, there's nothing wrong with having a structure or a track, whether it's learned or whether it just comes naturally to you. Let me just help you out. Last week, next steps in step two, All the participants that are in Next Steps, they did a personal evaluation. They did a personal assessment. And by the way, today's the third step. If you did that last week or if you've ever been through one or two and and you wanna see what Next Steps is about today, you wanna finish that in step three, come and, and come and eat lunch with us. If you're a guest if you've been visiting this church for a little while and, 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 and you haven't met Megan and I or, or some of our leaders, then just come eat and we won't even hold you. We'll just let you eat and we will like verbally dismiss you so that you can leave. It's not a ploy to trick you into staying and serving on a team. We just want to feed you and hang out with you and get to know you right after second service. But we, when we do that, when, when we learn what our assessment is, I took the assessment Okay, and one of the gifts, the spiritual gifts in that assessment is intercessory prayer. It's like when you intercede or, or you stand in on behalf. The scores on those, on those assessments are between basically three and nine. That's the scale on that. Your pastor in that assessment, when it comes to intercessory prayer by nature, I didn't score a six, a five, or a four. I didn't know that I was scoring for that, so I was just honest when I answered those questions. I scored a three in praying for other people. I am not a selfless person by nature. I am agenda and task oriented. Man, I can stand in this pulpit and pray. But when you need somebody to intercede and touch the throne room of God on your behalf, I'm going to probably call somebody else for you. Just, I, I just wanted to set you free because I'm learning. I am learning. Now, I, I'm willing to pray for you because I care about people. And when you care about people, it can cover all your weaknesses. When you just care about people more than you care about yourself or your own comfort, then you can learn how to do all kinds of things. The disciples saw this in Jesus. They saw something in Jesus that they desired to develop. So what did they do? They asked him, how? How can we develop this? How can we develop what we see in you? They just asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. So Luke chapter 11, here's what he said to them. When you pray, pray this way. When you pray, he, listen, he didn't say repeat this prayer verbatim, but listen, he also didn't say not to. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven. So you're recognizing God's position. Heavenly Father, you're recognizing your reverency for God. Hallowed. Now, we don't, that's not common language. We don't walk around and, and hallowed a lot of people, okay? But hallowed be your, it just means like holy is your name. Mighty is your name. Lifted up. It means to, to be lifted up. Hallowed or exalted. It's, it, it means that when you come to pray, start with worship. When you come to pray, start with praise, Confess God's position in your life and then praise him for it. That's all he's saying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know why it was so easy for Jesus to pray in the garden, not my will but thine? Because he had prayed this prayer thousands of times for 33 years before he ever needed to pray it in the garden that day. So when he sat before God and he was afraid of what was coming next, he was able to say, Father, please take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will but thine. Why was he able to say not my will but thine in his most difficult moment? Because he had prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as you have already planned it. Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, nothing more, nothing less. God, I don't need to know what tomorrow holds. I just need to know that you hold it. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of of where we fall short because I don't wanna do that to anybody today. Forgive us of our sins and where we fall short and then help us to forgive others of the, of the things that they do to us. And then this is how we close. And lead us not into temptation because that's not what you do anyways, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me give you some practical prayer things. These are subpoints, and then we'll close with two quick, easy highlights. Practical prayer before you even write it down. Before you write that down, let me give you one of the most practical things that you can do to develop a prayer life that you do not currently possess. Are you ready? Is everybody listening? Because I know I've been talking a lot. I'm going to give you one of the most powerful things that you can do to develop a personal prayer life that you do not currently possess. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. I, I know that that you can, you can hear, your and God knows our thoughts before we even have them. But, but if you will, there's something significant to standing up and walking around or maybe even just sitting or kneeling. There's something significant to hearing yourself pray out loud. Revelation 1, 3. Many of you on Wednesday night have heard this. Blessed is he who reads aloud and hears and keeps this prophecy. I believe that that's tied to prayer, that that's tied to your personal communication with God. So pray out loud. Here's another thing you can do. Because how many of you, when you start to pray, you remember about 17 things you need to do that day. So just do this, watch. Get you a pen and a notebook or a piece of paper. And every time you think of something while you're praying or you're supposed to be spending time with God, just write it down and forget about it. Write it down. Maybe even write your prayer down. God is not offended by the fact that you take more time to practice your prayer and write it down and then pray it out loud so that you can hear it. Maybe somebody else can hear it. You know, one of the things I love about my grandfather is a, one of my favorite stories my dad would tell me is my dad would wake up, and I know this seems, I know this seems like, it seems just too cliche, but my dad told me that he would wake up at 3:30 and 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would hear down the hallway my grandfather before he got up and drove to the other side of Shreveport from the center of Minden, which was 45 minutes, or before he, he got up and he went in 25 years he was a plumber, and he would or after that as he retired from that he worked at the GM factory, and he always got up early, he always worked hard all day long. I don't know what happened to me that gene skipped a generation. I'm praying that it comes back to the surface in some of my children. But he did that. My dad would hear him praying down the little shotgun house hallway that my grandfather still lives in today. And I guarantee you that some of those prayers are coming to pass in ways that only my grandfather and Jesus will ever know. Number two, no time is better than another. Uh, I am not the 4.30 in the morning guy. Like if I get up at if I get up at 4:30 in the morning, I plan on killing something. I'm just letting you know. Like if I get up that early, I plan on grabbing a gun and shooting at least at some kind of animal before the end, before I come back home and take a nap. Okay? That's that's how that's what I get up early. And I love it doesn't matter whether I do it at night or I do it first thing in the morning. There's not not one time that's better than the other. Maybe I do it all day long. Number three, this is really important. Stop letting the enemy steal your time from God. Guilt and prayer do not go together. God is not disappointed in what you have not yet developed. He's not even disappointed in your inability He made you that way on purpose. But be sure and know that his grace is sufficient for every need and his power is perfected in your weakness. Stop letting the enemy make you feel guilty because you didn't spend enough time or you didn't say the right thing because prayer in the presence of God and guilt from the enemy do not go together. Now, if God's convicting you about something in your heart, that's different. That's not guilt. That's not condemnation. That's conviction. That's something you can change. But you don't walk away from that time in God's presence and feel bad about how it didn't go. You don't walk away from that time in God's presence and feel bad about what you may should have said. Or listen, even more, this is why I don't care about the excessive emotionalism anymore. Because people think that if they don't feel that, that God didn't show up. And I'm telling you that he is just as much God of the valley as he is God of the mountaintop. He is just as much God of the cave as he is God of the river. And you don't have to feel it to know that the Father was in that place. Guilt and prayer do not go together. Can I tell you something else? It doesn't bother me when my babies go to sleep when they're talking to me. You wake up 10 minutes like, oh, oh, I fell asleep. I'm so sorry, God. He's like, you're sorry for what? Falling asleep in my arms? You feel bad about that? You think that bothers me? You think it bothers me that you you spend the end of your day reading my word and going to sleep? Why do you think it's so easy to fall asleep? Because God is spiritually rocking you in that moment. And if you go back to sleep in the arms of God, God gave me a vision of this city when I woke up in the morning to pray and I fell asleep. He gave me a vision of the state of Louisiana. He gave me a vision, a beacon, that this place was gonna be a lighthouse to the surrounding area. And it was when I was asleep in prayer. Prayer and guilt do not go together. Number four, we kind of hit this one already. It doesn't matter if it's formal Or informal, I could care less. Can I? Can I say? I I think I could say it. If I can't, then you can get on to me later, and I'll explain why I did. Honestly, I don't. I don't care if you're quoting the Apostles' Creed, the prayer of Saint Francis of Assisi, the Lord's Prayer, or you're praying in tongues. Because I believe that they're all. They all have some powerful communication. Now I will say this. I will say this. I do not believe in praying to anybody but Jesus with a stamp and an exclamation mark. Like, I'm not praying to anybody but the Lord. I love all those people. I appreciate what they did. I appreciate the apostles, but I'm praying to Jesus because Jesus paid too much for me to pray to somebody else that he paid for too. I just, that's just my heart. But if you want to cite the Apostles' Creed, if you want to read the book of Psalms, Whatever it is, whether you're praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit, or maybe you have some really great English stuff coming out in that moment, or maybe you just need to pray some structured and formal, whatever it is, just make sure it's personal. Just make sure it's personal. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and this is the best translation. This is the English Standard Version. I picked this translation on purpose because it's one of the only versions that, pr- that translates this properly. It says, and to the prayers. To the prayers. It doesn't just say to prayers, not in the original language. It says, they devoted themselves to the prayers. Well, what were the prayers? Well, it wasn't the Apostles' Creed because that wasn't developed yet. It wasn't St. Francis of Assisi because he wasn't alive yet. And it wasn't any of those other things. So, what were the prayers? The prayers were likely the things that they heard Jesus praying. The prayers were likely the psalms that they heard Jesus repeating. Number five, just practical prayer things. I love just praying scripture. In his weakest moment, his weakest moment, Jesus prayed scripture. When the enemy attacked him personally, when Lucifer came up from hell and attacked Jesus personally, Jesus prayed scripture. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. And I will confess that I actually did not know this until just a few weeks ago. But Psalm chapter 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I can promise you, he might have said that part out loud, but he kept reading in his head. He kept pronouncing it because about verse 19, 21 of Psalm chapter 22, the Bible says, but you, O Lord have answered me. So I will declare. Can you see Jesus on the cross? I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, you will glorify him. You will fear him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the afflicted of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard and so jesus stayed on the cross because he's quoting scripture in his spirit that he had recited a thousand times before main point number three and i'm closing this morning you need to find substance in the silence we're too busy you agree disagree maybe some of us are too silent There they are. Look at us. Everybody's back. It's crazy how that happens. We need to find substance in the silence. It's it's okay to not have anything to say. It's okay to just sit with Jesus. I love when my kids just come sit with me. Hey, listen, I love when my wife just comes and sits with me. I'm like, what are you doing? Nothing. I'm just sitting with you. Okay. Cool. You know, (laughs) I mean, I'm always thinking of what's next, but that's a different. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just sit with Jesus. What is wrong with finding substance in the silence? Let me ask you a question. What if before you walked out of the door tomorrow morning, you gave yourself a spare five minutes, and before you walked out of the door, you sat down in a chair, and you practice what we've been calling the two-minute drill. You just sit with Jesus for two minutes. God, before I leave, before I walk out of this house, God, I just give this time to you. And if you begin to get distracted, you just say his name, Jesus. Maybe you sit and you just open your hands say anything else maybe you start thinking about all the stuff that you really need to be getting done but you just call his name no 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 Jesus Jesus two minutes I'll give this to you listen Psalm 4610 says be still and know that he is God I will be exalted among the nations of exalted in the earth but before I can ever be exalted I need to be acknowledged it's powerful I want to exalt myself in your life I want to exalt myself in your life but I need you to acknowledge me I need you to be still and know that I am God I've got some exaltation for you today But I need you to acknowledge me. Abraham was in the desert when he heard from God. Moses was on the mountain alone when he heard from God. Elijah was in a cave by himself. Zacchaeus was in a tree. (laughs) That's funny, right there. Like a little dude climbed up in the trees, like. The woman was just sitting at the well. Probably another day of solitude and embarrassment because she wasn't who she wanted to be. But it was the day that Jesus showed up and he spoke into her in a way that she had never heard before. Hey, listen, Lazarus was in a tomb. He was dead, but that brother was silent. <laughs> I wonder if he was a close talker or something. God had to like shut him up for a few days just so he'd listen, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth! Hey, come back! What happened? Find oh, <laughs> substance in the silence. Psalm sixty-two, five. For God alone, oh my soul. For God alone, oh my soul. I wait in silence. Why? Because my hope is from Him, and when I sit in silence, I allow God to speak to my spirit. When I sit in silence, I allow God to speak to my spirit. John chapter, uh, no, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 1, John writes in verse 10, and you don't have this. You're just going to have to listen. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Like, I was just, I was just in the spirit. I was just in God's presence because the spirit is a representation of the presence of God in the New Testament. I was, I was in God's presence, and I heard from behind me. I was in solitude. I was in exile. I was in pain because I had been beaten, tortured, and tarred, and yet I did not die. I was alone on an island with no one else. But I was in the spirit, I was in the presence of God, and I heard a voice behind me. The Bible says, actually, a loud voice as as a trumpet I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, who was and who is and who is to come. Hey, write this down, John. I've got something to say to my people for generations. Fourth and final point, I'm going to ask my wife to come up and join me. This is the fourth and final point, and then I'm going to ask her to share her story. I want you to know behind the essence of this story is that every prayer counts. It's the final point today. Every, every prayer counts. And she actually, she has a story that, that I've tried to share in the past and in different places. It just doesn't come out the same way. So I want you to listen in a, in a tough spot, especially ladies, hear, hear, this, hear this moment that she had with Jesus.
1: It was during the season where all three of my kids under the age of four, and I was up all night with Gabriel, he's a newborn, and um, I was up to the wee hours of the morning, and I was just crying, I was like, Lord, I'm so tired, I'm so weary, and I haven't spent any time with you, God, I'm sorry, and just like Chris was talking about, I was allowing guilt to cloud my mind, and I I was beating myself up, and in that moment, I just heard the Father's heart. And he said, he just whispered to my heart and just said, as you rock that baby, as you love and care for him, you are doing it as worship unto me. As you care for your family, you are doing it as worship unto me, as you are honoring me, as you serve your family. I love you. And so it was in that moment that I was a Dad, keep
0: on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I know that you haven't perfected it. I know that you don't feel like you do it right all the time. I know that you get frustrated and you get tired and you don't know whether I'm listening. But I'm telling you to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking because your father your father cares how do I know you fathers if your children ask for a fish do you give them a snake instead no you're not even that evil or if they ask for an egg do you give them a scorpion of course not so if you being sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him Father, right now in this room, I pray that you would help us to remember that we have access to you, that we can develop what we desire. God, that we can find substance in the silence, and that every prayer that we pray counts. Every moment that we spend with you counts. And when I want to ask the church this morning before you get your stuff, before you move, before you go anywhere, If you would commit, if you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not, but if you would commit to the next seven days, whether you join us at 6 a.m. or whether you find your own time, I want you to take this prayer, I want you to take this challenge, I want you to take this message, and I want you to apply it to yourself personally. And I want to challenge you right now to develop a prayer life that you do not currently possess over the next six days, seven days, up until next Sunday. For this week of prayer as a church, if you would commit to developing that prayer life, whether you're following Jesus or whether you're not, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are. Nobody looking around, it's between you and God, but it's a personal confession. I wanna commit to the next seven days to developing a prayer life that I do not currently possess. I want to make my prayer life better. Come on, lift your hand and say, that's me, Lord. I want to develop it. I'm going to practice. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to set something aside. I'm going to fast something. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sit. I'm going to listen. I'm going to develop something, develop something that I do not currently have because I desire to know you the way that your son knew you. Now let me ask you this question. If you came in this room today and you were not following Jesus, maybe you did at one point, but you know that your life does not currently represent what he would call a follower. Maybe you never have. Maybe today is the first time that you've ever even really heard a message like this. And and you sit there today and, and you recognize that you've fallen short of God many times that you need a savior. See, Jesus came and he paid that price for you. Jesus came and, and he gave his life on the cross and he resurrected it from the grave so that we could reconnect with the father and the relationship that God had with Adam. That's why he came. Because of one man's sin, many were made disobedient. But because of one man's obedience, because of Jesus' obedience, many will be made righteous. And today you have the opportunity to be part of that many that have been made righteous. You know right where you sit, you need to receive Jesus. You need to confess your sin to him. You need to ask him to take your life and make it his. And you want to make that decision today. Would you just lift your hand and say, Chris, that's me. I know that I need to do that. Thank you, thank you. Come on, anybody else? Don't let the enemy rob from you in this moment. If you're not following Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you, I see you, thank you. We're gonna pray with you. Church is gonna pray with you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand right where you are. Say, listen, I just need to receive forgiveness today. I need to receive salvation today. I need to get on track or I need to get back on track. I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna give him my life right now. Lift your hand and say, that to me. Thank you, I see you, I see you. The Bible says very clearly and very simply, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's pray this prayer together, whether you lifted your hand or whether you didn't. Church, come on, I want you to help us out this morning. Would you pray this prayer out loud? Pray it out loud with all of your heart. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. Help me to become like you. Lord, right now, I come to you. Save me, cleanse me, and fill me with your spirit. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. I was a sinner, but you make me righteous. I pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give him praise in this place this morning? See, you don't have to be perfect. Come on, stand right where you are this morning.